Welcome back to the Unanimous Decision Podcast. I am your host, D-Palm. Follow me on Twitter at D-Palm66. Follow the show on Twitter at UDPod. Follow the entire MTR Network at, you guess it, the MTR Network. You found us. Don't you dare lose us. Subscribe on iTunes. Subscribe on Spotify. Subscribe everywhere you get your podcasts for absolutely free 99. Now, the Lakers just got put to bed, and I just got back from a music festival. And I drove six hours in a very comfortable car, but I'm also an old person. So I'm a little wired from the drive. And so you guys get to hear me talk about my weekend, the weekend in sports, and the sports to come ahead. Are you excited? I know I am. Look, first and foremost, I want to make sure that this disclaimer is out there before I say anything else. I'm not a music festival kind of guy. I did Bonnaroo in my youth. Not a great experience. And from then on, I've been kind of more than hesitant to say, I'm going to take a weekend of my life transform myself somewhere else, and be at the whims of these festival organizers. I'm going to hope that they brought me someone I want to watch, something I want to listen to, and something I can enjoy for a, uh, a decent event. Well, there's one exception to that rule, and that is the exception of Hangout Fest. Uh, so the Hangout Music Festival has been going on since 2010, I believe, uh, down in Gulf Shores, Alabama. I ended up going the second and third year. And then I went two more years in between, and this is my fifth trip going, and I can't say enough about what a well-run, well-put-on event. Um, when you have 45,000 people descending on a beach town, it can be tough. It can be really, really harrowing, but looking at some of the articles coming out um, in the aftermath of this year's festival, fewer arrests than they had in the past. Um, I've never, still knock on wood, I've still never seen like a fight there, which you see at concerts and festivals. I've never seen like large scale problems occur there. And again, problem, they have, people have had bad experiences, I'm sure, but I'm just talking about mine. And for me, it's the easiest thing I can do. Um, because if you find three or four acts on the list that you want to see, the concert pays for itself. And the rest of the time you're there, you're able to walk around hear something interesting, walk over and get introduced to a new band or new act or new, um, new DJ. And you, it's things you never would have ever sought out on your own, but because you're walking around and caught your ear, you happen to be exposed to it. And more than anything else, let's say there's a period of time where there's nothing you want to see. There's no one interesting on stage for you. You're still at the beach. It's a pretty good deal. It's a pretty good situation. I couldn't be happier about it. Uh, easy wins just for my fifth time going. Like I said, discovering a new band. We were bored on, I think it was the second day. It was kind of midday. We're looking for something to do. There was a band playing near us. Fun, exciting, uplifting, good beach vibe band. I'm like, this is a pretty good band. And then the trumpet starts. And I'm like, oh, I'm all in on this band. I've discovered a new band. Well, then you get to the second part of the inevitable life cycle of old person at a concert where they say, this is our 15th year touring, and you die a little inside. And then... They say, they start playing music that you know you've heard during NBA bumper commercials. Uh, and shout out to AJR. I'd never heard of them as a band, but I definitely heard their music. Had a great time. Uh, it's a super unique setting to see even your favorite bands. My favorite band in the world is the Red Hot Chili Peppers. And this is the second time I've seen them at Hangout Fest. And I couldn't have been more excited to do it. It's it's a unique place to see a band or see an act that you love. SZA was fantastic on the second night. And again, like it's just something I'm really happy that I got the opportunity to do this year. Um, also, go with your friends this year. If you, I guess some of the social stuff I've been sharing, I was there with the woman who married Susan and I and the best man at my wedding. I don't play around like 
my friends are real. Like I believe, I love my friends. The friends of the family you choose. And I couldn't have been happier or more excited to spend the, the weekend with them. My buddy, he's a huge Paramore fan. He'd never seen them live. I have not no exposure to Paramore. Not good nor ill. I just, hey, they. I think they were on a, a, a rock band uh, game when I was in college. But beyond that, just something to do. We end up getting super close to Paramore. I get it. I understand it. I see the energy. I see the excitement. The the fervor with which everyone around there was celebrating that band brought me into it. Um, if you bring earplugs, I will mock you because you're going to a loud thing. And how dare you want it to be quieter? Uh, I just wanted to share these things because if you if you're someone who is, says I would never do a music festival, I would advise giving this one a shot. If there's like two or three acts that you would love to see or that you're a fan of, um, or when rumors start happening in the fall. Take the leap. It's worth it, in my opinion. If you're under 35, buy general admission. It's it's a lot of walking, but it's it's a good experience. If you're over 35, feel free to DM me and we'll have a long conversation about other pricing options that you may want to look into. Um, all right, so I got the, the weekend out of the way. I did survive. My voice is a little shot, but I feel great, and I'm glad to be back. And I got to say, um, the first story of the week, first sports story, that is, is one that I think Bomani Jones put it best years ago. When this person dies, it's going to be hell how we talk about it. We lost Jim Brown recently, and it is a perfect encapsulation of the difficulty we're going to have talking about some people as they pass, as societal norms and whatnot shift. Jim Brown was a man. The definition of that, you can either hear that in a positive connotation or a negative one, and you're probably right about both. Without Jim Brown's personal ego and 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 belief in himself, we don't get free agency. We don't get um blanking on that Kurt Flood. We don't get him getting the owner of the Browns fired. We don't get a player saying you guys aren't paying me enough. I'm done playing football as an MVP in deciding to be a movie star. None of that happens. Without his strength of personality, his force of personality, he's not able to do the things he did in inner city communities uniting gangs. That same ego, that same self-assuredness also makes you have to, in your head, square the circle of, this man believed in black liberation, but by utilizing the tools of the slavers. What do I mean by that? He was a staunchly pro-black figure. He believed in the power of black people. But he was also a staunchly adherent to the altar of Reagan-era capitalism. And as our understandings of these things have evolved, it's imperative that we recognize, and if not reconcile, but at least recognize that those two ideas are incompatible. You cannot free yourself with the tools of oppression. And for a lot of people, for a lot of gener for generations, it was make your money so that they can't hurt you anymore. And what we're seeing as the end result of that is that money will not save you. Did he come out and be pro-Trump? Of course he did. He's a capitalist. Did he talk at Republican National Conventions? Of course he did. 
He believed in the power of the dollar and that that was the pathway to equality. Was Jim Brown a man? Yeah. But for a lot of his life, being a man wasn't necessarily a good thing. Jim Brown put his hands on women frequently, violently. I know I was an annoying kid because my parents would tell me about someone or something and I would start to ask questions. And unlike some parents, they never shut down my questions. They got sick of them, I'm sure. God bless you, mom and dad. Got tired of it because eventually I got the, you can look it up, go look it up. And so I did. And the benefit of that was even the myths of my youth were never myths. I could see that even men who I was told to admire had feet of clay. So for me, this conversation isn't as, it's, it's, it's sticky and it's harrowing and it's tough, but it's a little more cut and dry for me because, and this is something I, I came to talking to my friends at the beach this weekend. It's easier for me to maintain relationships long-standing ones with my women friends easier than my men friends because eventually not all of them but eventually a man's gonna be or do or say something that I personally can't rock with and while my parents never taught me necessarily what to believe or, 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 or necessarily foisted ideas on me I was observant enough to know that when something crossed their line there was no negotiation there was no oh well he oh but they i like hanging out with it was not nah, that person's untrustworthy un i can't stand with that person and that's why I, I i'm fortunate that when i have my different groups of friends from different parts of my life meet i know there's a baseline of respect and like we're not going to agree on everything we can disagree about like tax code but like no one's going to be like, these people aren't people. Like, none of my friends will say that shit. And if you say that shit, there's a reason we haven't talked in a long time. So, is Jim Brown quote-unquote complicated? That's something you're going to hear a bunch over the next two weeks. Complicated legacy. It's not complicated. He believed what he believed. He acted and adhered to those beliefs. It's just that those beliefs are harder to parse down than, say, he was pro-black. Or... He was pro-equality. Or he was pushing forward the power of the athletes. All those things are true. But there's another side of that coin. And honestly, that's one of the reasons why I'm so selective on the circle I keep and the people who get to stay in that circle is because I don't want people making excuses for me when I'm gone. I don't want someone to say, oh, Daniel's cool. I mean, there was that one thing. But beyond that, like I don't need the caveats. Keep, keep parentheticals away from my ass. Be who you are. Stand on this shit. And for better, worse, and sometimes a lot worse, Jim Brown did that. So rest in power to the first uh, crossover star. Rest in power to the man who in his 80s autobiography wrote, there's something behind that mask of O.J. Simpson that I just can't put my finger on, but I know I don't trust it and I'm a little scared of it. Speaking of standing up for yourself and standing up for things you believe in, Come on down, L.A. Dodgers. If you don't know the story here, congratulations. I'm about to annoy you. That's what I do. The Dodgers invited an LB, LGBTQIA group called the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence to their annual Pride Night. Last week, after the invitation was extended, 
a certain group came forth and said, no, this is a, this is, we don't want them to come. There were some conservative Roman Catholics and politicians, including Marco Rubio, who said that the group uh, mocked nuns in the in Christian faith. And I have something to say to everyone. If some, if you're trying to be inclusive and someone comes back with, well, here's why you shouldn't include those people. Think twice before acquiescing to their demands, because more likely than not, it's a reactionary response to a group that's always hated the uh, celebrated group in the first place. These are what we call bad faith arguments. It's funny here because we're talking about Catholics, but it's a bad faith argument. They were never concerned about the Sisters of Perpetual, I want to make sure I get the name right, the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence. The problem was never the fact that they sometimes were nunnery garb. The problem was they were championing a cause that these bigots found reprehensible and they used language that they had learned in their conversations to exploit the corporate need to appease everyone. Well, the Dodgers somehow figured it out. I want to read the statement that was released uh, Monday. After much thoughtful feedback from our diverse communities, honest conversations within the Los Angeles Dodgers organization, and generous discussions with the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence, the Los Angeles Dodgers would like to offer our sincerest apologies to the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence, members of the LGBTQ plus community, and their friends and families. We have asked the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence to take their place on the field at the 10th annual LGBTQ plus Pride Night on June 16th. We are pleased to share that they have agreed to receive the gratitude of our collective communities for the life-saving work that they have done tirelessly for decades. In the weeks ahead, we will continue with our, to work with our LGBTQ plus partners to better educate ourselves, find ways to strengthen the ties that bind, and use our platform to support all our fans who make up the diversity of the Dodgers family. Now, did my petty ass kind of want them to tell the Dodgers to go fuck themselves? Of course it did. But when you learn more about the group and kind of the things that they've been through, they were founded in 1979 as a charity protest and performance group. They're mainly men dressing as nuns. Um, they're formed in San Francisco. The LA chapter is getting the award. And it is heartening. Disappointing at first, but heartening that this is where the story, at least today, has come to an end. Because not folding the bigots is a good thing. And fighting back's better. And so I'm excited that they're coming. I'm excited that sports, particularly this sport, baseball, is working itself to be more inclusive, at least from a bottom line perspective. One of the things about bigotry that I, I always try to explain to people is that in the South, they supported segregation in majority black states, which means restaurants, stores, were turning down dollars in favor of hate. That's all it was. We'd rather support this hate than get this money. The very least, the, the very least you can say about the Dodgers is they saw dollars and they did the right thing. I always argue for impact over intent, which is why people say, well, I didn't mean it that way. It doesn't matter. Your intent matters very little. How it lands matters a bunch. Huggy Bear still has a job.
Welcome home to Brittany Griner. The WNBA season kicked off last week while I was uh, being burnt alive on a beach. And there was a wonderful, wonderful outpouring of love and gratitude to returning Brittany Griner as she made her way back to the Phoenix Mercury. She uh, Her first game this uh, year was attended by the Vice President of the United States, Kamala Harris. And I, um, I'm really... I didn't think this is how the story was going to end, honestly. When she got pinched for that in February last year, or January last year, excuse me, I had no idea that she'd miss one season the next year. Not only be back free, but tipping off the new WNBA season. Um, there's been some hay made about by people who want to divide us, saying, oh, look, she's standing for the anthem now. Well, yeah, her relationship with that anthem and that flag has changed. Does it say that she was wrong in any way to demand more of her country when she kneeled? Of course not. But her country, her government specifically, saw her unjustly persecuted and moved mountains to get her back home inside of a year. A quote that sent chills down my spine, she said, you understand, not only was I not allowed to, to speak or stand for my freedoms, I could barely stand in the cell they had me in. So yeah, um, good on her, man. Welcome home, Brittany Griner. I can't wait to see her play this year. Um, just so everyone knows, we're going to talk about the sweeps in a second. I'm not sure. The Heat haven't finished sweeping the Celtics yet, but they will. Uh, there's going to be no basketball, people are going to say that, until next Thursday, the, I believe date out here, little calendar here, the first. There's not no basketball. The WNBA has increased their market share, and guess what? You can watch them on TV. If you got a team local, go watch them local. We're dream season ticket holders in this house, and I can't wait to get to my first home game this year. Speaking of going home, I don't want to overstate this. John Morant might be the dumbest man alive. And not just because waving guns is dumb, because it is. But waving guns on the heels of everything else that's happened with him is mind-bogglingly stupid. Mind-bogglingly stupid. It's been a long weekend. There's not a good way to end this. And the people who are taking the bad faith argument, that's our word again, saying, oh, if he was trying to get elected, it'd be okay. Well, yeah. It's a double standard because it's twice as true. The rules be different sometimes. John knows this. The people making the argument knows this. But they need a cudgel to support their gun fetishism. Are there larger conversations to be had about the prevalence and acceptance of guns in this country? Of course there is. Is there a larger conversation to be had about the celebration of the vigilante? The idea of the Lone Ranger coming in and settling scores. Of course there is. This ain't that. This is a kid being an asshole on television or on, on Instagram TV. I, how fucking old was that? Goodness. It's a kid flexing and pretending to be about a life that he's not about. Clarence's parents had a real good marriage and that type of shit. And people say, oh, why would they suspend him for this? Because... He's not just a guy running for office. He's not just a player on a team. 
He's one of the faces of the league driving not just interest but dollars into the NBA. And so when the owners come back and are leaking to the media that, hey, we've got concerns about the ability to sell tickets due to him damaging the reputation of the league, that rings for this league. In 1980, before Bird and Magic got drafted, this league had its finals on tape delay. Throughout the 90s, when Michael Jordan was God, there were still complaints this league was too urban, too black, and that the median family is being driven away. Allen Iverson, the dress code. And yes, I'm glad Adam Silver's in charge here. I'm glad that he is a, at least outwardly facing, more empathetic and player relationship valuing leader. David Stern would have cussed his little ass out the first time. I'm not saying there wouldn't have been a second time. I'm saying there would have been no doubt in Jaws' mind what was on the line. So if they want to hook him up for 20 games, cool. 40, sit him down. This young man's got to learn. This is bigger than you. He already lost that Powerade press run off the first time. You think Nike won't drop you? You think the league needs you that bad? And hey, there's something to be said here. There's a mental health aspect. Maybe that's his emotional support gun. You don't know what he's going through. But barring that knowledge, I lean on the same thing I lean on in my personal life. Your mental illness is not your fault. But it is your responsibility. It's not your fault. But it is your responsibility. Whatever Jaws dealing with, whatever Jaws got inside him that's got him to this point again. And I'll say this. This is, I shouldn't say this. I'm going to say it. At least the gun was bigger. Like it was a gun this time. It wasn't a pea shooter. Like that was a weapon. You could, if you piss up with someone that when they're losing teeth. That little motherfucker in, in Denver, I was like, what? You could throw that hard and you can shoot it. What are you talking about? And he's doing this in a city that, is not about jokes when it comes to the gunplay. Shout to Memphis. Nothing to respect. So not only is this endangering the league, not only is this silly, he's endangering himself. Because I don't know what people who didn't grow up around guns think about guns, but I'll tell you this. When you announce you have a gun, you're now seeing the people who want to do you harm that they need to step up their artillery. When you're flashing a gun on IG, why would I? I don't understand. I, I again, I grew up in a household that was I, I grew up hunting and fishing. Like I am Susan. I like to joke that I got like a little bit of hillbilly in me. But for me, guns are never mystified. Guns are not cool or exciting. Guns are tools. And that tool has one purpose, and it's not flexing on the gram. It's killing a person. It's the only reason pistols exist. There's no hunting. There's no fishing. There's no outdoorsman used for a pistol, save for maybe having a bear pistol in your deer stand. I cannot believe I said those words on a podcast. But yeah, that pistol exists to kill people, full stop. And John's going to realize one way or another, this shit's not a game. 
We're going to get to the sweeps in a second. I do want to talk about a story that happened through the entirety of the of the Hangout, of hangout Fest. I was unaware that uh, Bo Schimbler had a son. I was unaware that Michigan hired that son. I was unaware that the internet got into that son's likes and discovered him liking a bunch of shit about how good Jim Crow was for black people. And I had no idea that this Schimbler was forced to resign. All I caught was a resignation. And I was like, wait, what the hell did I miss? Everything I told you is true. They hired the son of legendary coach Bo Schimbleckler as a, some sort of PR stunt move. I don't know, but he was going to come out and work with player personnel. He'd been in the scouting department for the Rangers, hired by <clears throat> one John Gruden. Not saying there's a little racist connection there, but there's a racist connection there. <laughs> and after they hired him, after they put up the big announcement saying it, it took Twitter five seconds to go to this man's likes and be like, he sure does seem to like things that don't like black people. And again, were he a congressman or a Republican running for Senate, this would actually gain him more votes. This kid, he and John, this in the John Moran story, that's a congressman. But in the NFL or NCAA football, not so great. Was he able to fly under the radar as a scout for the Raiders? Of course, because no one knows who scouts are. Should you probably look at some of their personnel decisions and scouting results based on his personal bias through that lens? Wouldn't it be the unwisest thing. But no. This offseason discontent continues in Michigan. I'm not sure how I ever signed that deal. Uh, they got rid of an ex-offensive uh, uh, coordinator, I believe, because they of computer crimes happening on campus. And that's all before... They lost TCU on national television. Michigan football. Not even once. It's like math. But I'm not here to talk about hangout. I'm not here to talk about Shimby. Don't call a grown man Shimby. It's ridiculous. I'm here to talk about how sweeps are created differently. My dog agrees. Not all sweeps are equal. Because I'm recording this right after the Lakers got swept. I'm recording this while LeBron James is casting doubt on his continued participation in professional basketball. We all know that's a lie because he wants to play with his boy, and his boy's going to be one and done at USC next year. So we got two more years. The LA, just to, I'm putting all this to bed right now. The LA All-Star Game is 2025, I believe. That's the retirement tour. That's the goodbye LeBron. That's the thank you for all the memories. They got the Last Dance crew in this year to begin, I believe, the documentary. I believe they're going to film them for the next three years, if you ask me, over a couple of drinks. Now, how are these sweeps different? And again, I'm recording this. The Celtics have not yet been swept, but we all got eyes. The Lakers sweep was fucking impressive by the Lakers. Because remember, this is a team that started 2-10. This is a team that had to win a playing game to make the playoffs. And for them to go toe-to-toe, -to -toe, not toe-to-toe, -to -toe, for them to have four, not, not like three, not two and a couple outs, four competitive down-to-the-wire games against what, for my money, has been the best wire-to-wire -wire team in the league this year, that speaks to not just Darvin Hand's ability to, 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 to rally these troops, not just LeBron's leadership, not just Anthony Davis's ability to play bigger than himself in big moments, it speaks to the heart of that squad. It speaks to what they put together down the stretch here that could be the building block to something real for the next season. 
everything you saw from LeBron tonight with the uh, 30 point first half, you got to remember, this is a man whose foot injury kept him out of the down the stretch of their season. That if this was a different time of year, he might not have been playing. So do I think it's over for the Lakers? No. But they ran into that buzzsaw. That is the Nuggets. And never once in your life, I'm 37, I'll be 38 this year. Never once in your life have you said, I think the Nuggets got it this year. But man, if you watch that mountain, <laughs> mountain time zone basketball this season, whoo buddy, it's been hard to say otherwise. Real hard. Joker's been joking. Jamal Murray came back off injury. When he got hurt the second time, 2021, excuse me, he turned to Mike Malone and said, am I damaged good or y'all going to trade me? Malone said, nah, baby, we believe in you. And the belief has reaped rewards. Because this squad, this Denver squad, you've heard me on this podcast. There's been one team all playoff I've said, that might be it, that's a champion. They've had unfaltered, they've never once lost focus. There have been games where people didn't deliver, but guess what? Those games didn't get away from them. They stayed the course. They believed in themselves and each other. And they found ways to make it work. I want everyone to appreciate what you're seeing out of Nikola Jokic. The record number of triple doubles in the playoffs broke it. I want people to recognize the fact that he does so in a way that's unassuming, but also dominant. And I want you also to recognize this motherfucker's 28. Like he's old. This is not the peak. You're going to see peak him in probably a season, season, maybe two seasons. That's going to be peak Jokic. And that should terrify the league. Because they have no impetus to break this thing up. They seem to be getting along. Mike Malone has found something. He's tapped into these kids. Kids. Tapped into these young men and found a way to make them rise to occasion and never lose that same focus. It's an impressive operation they've got out of West. And it's not one that I see any cracks in right now as far as can they do it again. Who's going to challenge them, boo? The Warriors, whatever they're going to look like. Uh, um, if uh, Draymond leaves, which, I mean, as we hear the rumors that the GM wants out, my brain is, is not working yet. It's interesting to see, to gauge who's going to challenge them. The Lakers, look, you keep this core together. If you... They got someone's gonna pay Austin Reeves, but if you can keep this core together and maybe exchange the D'Lo minutes for someone else because he just was unplayable against the Nuggets, that that's a team that could challenge the top of the West next year if healthy. Outside of that, I got lots of questions in Phoenix. Who's gonna coach it? Why would you want to coach it? Is this just the Nets Nets West? Dallas. Y'all know how I feel about Luca. I don't believe in him. I never have, never will. Not, I never will. I don't, I don't see it. He's Carmelo Anthony with better PR. Shout out to Carmelo, retirement. Thought you were gone already. You know? Who else out in the West? Who else you got? I, a lot of question marks. So, you can be, see the beginning of a Denver thing here. And if we get this series again next year with a year of this Lakers squad under its belt, give it to me. I'll take five or six of those every time. Now we're going to talk about another sweep in progress of a team that was counted out, an eight seed from Florida, who's gone into a team 
that not only gone through teams on the way to get there, but is currently dealing a powerhouse, a 3-0 lead. Could I be talking about the Florida Panthers? Maybe. Because when I got to hang out fest on Thursday night, we're hanging out where we're staying, and we're watching sports, and we're watching, uh, we watch the Lakers game, and then I'm like, oh, there's some hockey still on. Everybody looked at me like I was fucking crazy. I was like, look, y'all, playoff hockey's that shit. We turn it on, it's the first overtime. It's Thursday night. Because then it goes to the second overtime. At the end of the second, I was like, hey, man, I got a big game tomorrow. I'm going to bed. I woke up, and that shit had ended on Matthew Kachuk scoring a goal in the fourth overtime. Gotta love playoff hockey. But now the Panthers are up 3-0 on the Canes. But that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about them boys. I'm talking about that culture. I'm talking about they, the kids who play in an arena that they can't get a name off of because the FTX is too heavy. I'm talking about those Miami Heat. I know. I thought the same thing we all thought. We thought, hey, game one in, my, in Boston, they got that one. Ain't no damn way they ain't going to lay down and let the Heat take it again. Because historically in the NBA, if you lose the first one at home during a playoff series, you're winning game two. If only because the road team is mentally like, we stole one. That's not how this team is wired. They said, let's go get another one. And they took game two after Grant Williams decided to buck on Jimmy uh, Butler, which is the silliest thing I've ever seen. And you keep in mind, I'm getting all this through spotty internet service on the beach, like watching bands play. So, Sunday, <laughs> I'm, in, I'm at Skrillex. I'm in the VIP because VIP tickets were a must because I am 37. And there's a dude in a Tatum jersey. And I'm talking to people I met over the weekend. We're chatting and shit. Basketball fans. We, someone's got better internet than I do. We're watching the score updates on the Heat game. And the Heat are up 12. And then I feel a tap. Of my, and I turn back, enjoy the music. Dad, da, 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 having a good time drinking my beers. I feel a tap on my shoulder. Hey, man, look. This dude I just met. And the Heat's margin keeps growing. <laughs> and we're laughing. And I hear, hey, what's the score? And I look up, and I swear to you, it's this dude in a Tatum jersey at the beach. And I was like, sir, um, you, mm, you, <laughs> woo, um, you don't want to know, dog. <laughs> and me and the other dude laughed and laughed. The Tatum dude looked all salty. I was like, hey, man, you wore Tatum jersey during these playoffs, during this round of these playoffs. That's not on us. All these jokes you're about to catch, not on me. I didn't want to tell these jokes. You asked me what the score was wearing that jersey in public. I regret nothing. If that man is listening, I apologize. Kind of. Not really. If you're listening, thanks for finding the podcast. That's fucking dope. <laughs> but yeah, man. Not only is this like a Heat team playing above its head, is this not just a Heat team that is proving Eric Spolstra is one of the best coaches ever? Um... The Celtics team that just fucking quit. It didn't want to be there. All sweeps are not created equal. Because if you say, well, both the Heat or both the, the Lakers and Celtics got swept, I would say, please, sir, check the tape. Those sweeps are not the same. This sweep, this Boston sweep, is some burn it to the ground shit. You realize that if they give Jalen Brown the max, he'll be the highest paid player in the history of the NBA? Go look at his splits. I'll wait. Would you like to pay Jalen Brown all that money? I wouldn't want to pay Jalen Brown that money. 
And finally, I think I've been drawn to the point. I've been the one who's been like, yo, um, Joe Mazzulla's a fine coach. The focus issues were there last year. This is a team that couldn't get out of their own way again in the finals. Like, I, I was not someone who was going to tell you that Joe Mazzulla was the biggest part of the problem. <laughs> I may have been hasty in that decision-making because if they're not ready and you know they're not ready, and you watching the town four times a week, fucking weird, hasn't gotten them ready in a conference finals where Jimmy Butler's essentially wearing a Jason mask. Like, I haven't watched all the games. Why aren't you doubling Jimmy? In the fourth quarter in game two, why aren't you doubling Jimmy? Why is Jimmy alone? Why is it one-on-one with Jimmy? What's happening here? Also, where the fuck is Jason Tatum? He told me last round that, humbly, he's one of the best players on the planet. Remember that shit? That cocky shit when he lit up the uh, Sixers when he was four, five quarters away from getting cussed out in Boston and decided to turn his shit on? Remember that? Humbly, I'm one of the best players on the planet. Well, nigga, what now? Y'all can't see me shrugging in this chair, but I'm shrugging. Because I have no answers. Because Max Truce shouldn't confound you this way. Duncan Robinson shouldn't be this level of a problem. They are doing this without Tyler. They're doing this shorthanded. <laughs> and it's funny. It's not even sad. It's just funny. I know we're all on the fuck Boston train bandwagon. God bless America on that shit. But like, this is just embarrassing. This is some get down or lay down. And they decided to lay the entire fuck down. Is he going to go live tomorrow? Uh, on Tuesday, which means you're going to hear this before the Heat take them brooms to the Celtics. That being said, when that game ends, there will be no NBA basketball until June 1st when the finals kick off. I implore you, go watch some WNBA. It's fantastic. That was your show. And since Chris ain't listening to these no more, there might be an outro. So y'all, if there's an outro, y'all shut the fuck up about it, please. And be cool, like for five seconds, so I can get away with this one. Um, and I'll talk to you guys later this week. Peace.